the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When we talk about our God, we talk about him in the singular, but also the plural, the triune God. We'll learn more next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. God is, well, God. Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. They are three distinct, yet they are one. And the significance of that comes to bear here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're continuing with our series, Meet Your God, and today we meet the three-in-one God. Won't you join us? Here now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today, our teacher and pastor now, here's Pastor Phil Howard. There are different kinds of working, and that translation, you never know what it says, really. It goes this way, there are different kinds of energies, is what King James said. I kind of like that, but the Greek word, energma, you can hear energy from that. But the ending on it means effects. Effects. When the wind's blowing, you see the effects of the energy. And he's saying here that God the Father is the one that produces the effects of your giftedness in the realm of your service. For instance, he says, I've got the gift of teaching. If no one's learning anything, you don't have the gift. He says, you know what? I understood it until he taught. Everything's cloudy. He must have gone to school. No, he just didn't have the gift. The gifts don't confuse. There's an effect. There's an effect. Listen to what God, the Trinity, is involved in the realm of your service. One member gave you the gift. The other member determined the realm of your service. And the third member says, if you'll use your gift in the place Jesus set you, I'll see that there will be divine effects from your ministry. That's, That's a triune God promise. Isn't that wonderful? Well... The apostolic benediction in 2 Corinthians 13. He closes out the letter by saying, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What a marvelous benediction. I want us to take a look at, uh, I'll jump, we'll come back. I gave these notes different, so... The PowerPoints. I want you to go to Revelation 6 to see how things end up, who's involved in uh, destroying the earth. In Revelation 6, verse 12, the sixth seal of judgment is opened and unleashed on the earth. And look what happens. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to the earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. 
The sky receded like a scroll rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Did you know this is just the first half of the tribulation? In the first half, in one seal judgment, he removes every island there is. Don't be in Hawaii. Don't be in the Philippines. You're supposed to be in heaven if you're saved, but if you're not, there's going to be an island removal program in one judgment. Just like that. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their, more than one, their wrath has come and who can stand? This is God the Father and God the Son will pour out judgment on the earth. This meek lamb called Jesus will be involved in crushing all the nations and all the people that opposed him. Let us look at two more passages. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John. Get ready at verse 18. There was a group called the Gnostics in the first century. There was a Jewish brand that were ascetic and legalistic. There was a Platonic side from Greek philosophy that said uh, evil and good are eternal entities. They've always been around. So they taught dualism. Good and evil forever, all the way back. as principles. Two, they taught matter is evil. So they fought the incarnation of Christ severely because if matter is evil, God could not become matter, a body. And they also had a philosophy that their group had the superior light. They had superior knowledge. It'd be like going into the lodge with the secret handshakes and this and that. You've been initiated into something secret that everybody doesn't know about. And they had that approach to knowledge. That you've got to be one of us to be initiated into the secrets of God. We've got the truth the corner on it. That was the background that John dealt with in writing these little children. He's defending that Christ became a man because the Gnostics are undoing that every way they can. Now watch what he says. Verse 18, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. There's one coming in history called the man of sin, but his, his uh, offspring, <laughs> other false teachings, been going on for 1,900 years, but we're going to emerge into a man called the man of sin, the man of lawlessness. But listen, they're already here, he said. Some of you are looking for the Antichrist, and John said, we've already got him running around. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Every once in a while, I'll see someone, they'll say, why isn't so-and-so with us anymore? I said, they never were of us. They just attended for a while. They went through a bad marriage or a kid in trouble. They just came for pain relief. 
but they never did get born again. I know the born again, they continue. They continue with us. They're not free from faults. They're not free from failings. They're not free from temptations. But his own are known by, they continue with him. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. Now what is this? All of you. Who's that? Is that believers? Yeah. That's got to be believers. He's writing to the saints, not the Gnostics. You have an anointing. I grew up, people praying all the time, God anoint the preacher. And if you preach the way some, the way most of us do, we need a lot of help. God anoint him, God anoint him. Who did he say was anointed here, the preacher or you? Who? All of you. And what did the anointing do to them? All of you preach loud. No. All of you, are, you know the truth as a result of the anointing. Do you see it? You know the truth. The result of the anointing of God is that you know the truth. Now watch this. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus, the human Jesus, is the Christ, Messiah. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. You can't have it. I believe in God, but I don't accept Jesus Christ. You don't have either one. The Father and the Son are together. See what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised to us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. He's not saying we don't need teachers and the gifts he gave to the body. But in the context, he's talking about this. The true knowledge of who Jesus Christ is comes as a result of the anointing ministry of God to everyone that is saved. And that anointing goes back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, if I had, you know, if I had that horn of oil, you know, we get David and we just pour that oil on him. Or when they had a priest or a prophet, they'd set him aside in front of all the people and they'd pull out that oil and they'd just pour it on them. And when they did that, that was their way to initiate their new office as king, their office as priest, or as a prophet. They'd anoint a prophet. He set apart this oil, symbolic of the Holy Spirit, of the Spirit of God coming on them. And we know he's been initiated. He's been set apart. John is saying, hear me now. 
You've got to get this. John is saying, the world is full of Antichrist, but there's a group of people figuring out who Christ is. How are they coming to that knowledge? He said, God is initiating them with the true knowledge of his son, like you put oil on a prophet, a king, or a priest. And even if you're five years old and you're saved in children's church, or you're 75 years old and you're saved at Bay Park on your last day of life, the anointing of the Spirit breaks the blindness, and all of you says, I know who he is. And no human teacher got it through ultimately. The ultimate source is God taught me who the Son is and delivered me from Antichrist. You can't know the Son or the Father unless the anointing breaks the yoke and renders the blindness away. And all of a sudden, you can hear a child at seven years of age, he's Jesus! He's Lord. So wait, wait. They don't know that in Cal Berkeley. You can't get that knowledge. You need a PhD. He says, no, I need God to anoint me and initiate me into the family. How do I know I'm in the family? He anointed me, and I, when I got my eyes open, I said, I know who you are now. I know you. 1 John 5, 12 he that has the Son has eternal life. 5.13, these things were written that you might guess? No. These things were written that you might know that He is the Son of God, and knowing Him, you've got eternal life. It took the Holy Spirit to anoint our eyes. Only He. You're not saved because you're smart. You're not saved because you're white. You're not saved for any other reason, but God started drawing you, drawing you, and told the Spirit, wooing, John 6, 37. And then, oh, I see this man on the road to Damascus to kill, to, to maim, to imprison, and all of a sudden, knocked off a mule, sees a light brighter than the noonday sun, and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? I want to tell you, I wasn't on a mule, but I had to be knocked down to see who he was. And in a moment of time, I saw this is Jesus, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. John 5 says, at the end of time, God the Father is going to set his son up as judge. Up to now, he's been blessing the church. He's been putting up with rejection for 1,900 years. But when there's a white throne judgment set up at the end of history, Christ was set on it with all of his nail-pierced hands and his side. I know those three things would be there because even in his resurrection, they could touch the nail prints. Just imagine seeing the judge on the bench and he just put his hands out and there's nail prints. And every... Christ rejecter from all the ages will come before the judge. Won't be the father, it's going to be the son. And someone said, you didn't know how tough it was being a human being. He said, oh, I was for 33 years. Matter of fact, I was called a, a bastard by my neighbors. They said I was an illegitimate child of Mary, that Mary and Joseph played around 
They never called me God when I was on earth. They called me the child of fornication. But you've never been rejected. Oh, I was. Even my father rejected me on the cross. And I yelled out, my God, my God, why have you left me? But you've never been hungry. Oh, I've been hungry. The birds had a place to rest at night. And the fish knew where to belong, but I had no place to call my own. Well, you never were poor. I was so poor. My parents were poor. They couldn't bring a calf. They couldn't bring a lamb. They gave them a poor man's offering. They just brought two pigeons. That's all we could afford. And me, the only thing I ever owned in life, my mother sewed for me. One garment. If you ever wanted to see Jesus' wardrobe, you just had to look at him. He had no seconds. He didn't have a second wardrobe. I got more suits than I keep up with. But my Savior had one garment. But you never hurt. Oh, I hurt. To be rejected is to hurt. And then all of a sudden in the courtroom, the father's going to stand up and he said, this is my son that I said at his baptism. Hear him. This is my son that I thought, world, if my wrath won't save you, I'll send you my love. I saved my wrath for last. Before my wrath, before the tribulation, before eternal lake of fire, before that, I sent prophets. I sent priests. I, I said in one of my parables that I sent all the servants to collect the rent, and when they killed them off, I said, surely if I send my son, they will receive him. And I sent a son. And you sent him back to heaven maimed, crucified, pierced. I want to tell you, dear children of God, God is going to hold the entire race accountable for the death of his son. My sins and your sins put him there. But because I feared his judgment and because I felt his love, I made an early appointment with the judge and I said, Oh, Lord Jesus, I've got this heavy load on my back. All my sins are in it. If I come to you on bended knee, what will you do? He said, I'll cancel all of your debt. I'll charge it to myself. And you won't even have to go to this court hearing. You won't even have to go to court. And then all of a sudden in the courtroom, the father's going to stand up and he said, this is my son that I said at his baptism, hear him. This is my son that I thought, world, if my wrath won't save you, I'll send you my love. I saved my wrath for last. Before my wrath, before the tribulation, before eternal lake of fire, before that, I sent prophets. I sent priests. I, I said in one of my parables that I sent all the servants to collect the rent and when they killed them off, I said, surely if I send my son, they will receive him. And I sent a son. And you sent him back to heaven, maimed, crucified, pierced. I want to tell you, dear children of God, God is going to hold the entire race accountable for the death of his son. My sins and your sins put him there. But because I feared his judgment and because I felt his love, I made an early appointment with the judge and I said, Oh, Lord Jesus, 
I've got this heavy load on my back. All my sins are in it. If I come to you on bended knee, what will you do? He said, I'll cancel all of your debt. I'll charge it to myself. And you won't even have to go to this court hearing. You won't even have to go to court. Do you mean we can settle it before the court date? You can settle it. What do I have to do? Well, I know you're broke and your burden is heavy. You just got to look to me and believe. And believe that I'm God. And believe that I died for your sins. It was your sins that made me cry out. It was your sins that made the spit roll. It was your sins that ground up my back like someone had taken an oxen cart and went down my back and dug furrows in me. It was your sins that did me that way. But I came to offer you forgiveness. If you'll only admit you did it against me. Someday, every knee and every tongue acknowledge who he is, but that won't save them then. They'll just have to make a correct theological statement before being cast into hell. Because everyone will know before history's over who he really is. But it will be too late at the white throne. Have you ever come to Jesus? He said, come unto me. If that sack on your back is heavy and you're burdened with your sins, he wants to unload the sack. He wants to cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness and he'll place a sign in it, no fishing allowed. But you got to come. He said in Isaiah, though your sins be as scarlet, come to me, I can make them white as snow. (laughs) When you killed a man, when you raped a woman, When you shot somebody robbing a liquor store, how can you ever blot that from the record? I know one judge that can do it. I only know one judge that can do it. You come to Jesus, bring your sack of sins. Come to Jesus. Even if you raped her, he can forgive you. And he can enable the woman raped to forgive you. Even though you've aborted babies, even though you've hated your mother and your father, And even though you as a young person have cussed your mom, broken all the rules, bring your sack. Bring them, bring them. And start saying, oh, I don't want a judge. I want a savior. What did the judge save? He said, if you come in time, I'll meet you outside my court chambers. I've got a room where I meet people. It's right at the foot of the cross. And right there, I issue pardons. I pardon, I pardon, I pardon, I pardon. But if you wait till it goes to court, you're a goner. It's too late. You've got to negotiate now, and all you've got to do is, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I have nowhere to flee. Even the rocks and the mountains can't hide me from you when you decide to pour out wrath. But love says, Come. Are you in this church, but you're going to hell? You just do it as a social thing? Your wife makes you come? The kids, do you know Christ? You can be lost and hear me preach every week. You must come to Jesus, not just to this building. You must say, I'm guilty, 
I want you to pardon me. I come to Christ believing that he alone paid it all. Jesus paid it all. So much that he could say, it is finished, meaning it is paid in full. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to His knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call. 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855 833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue Suite 278 Hercules, California The zip code is 94547 And that website once again truthfortodayradio.org It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard 